Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, joined as ever uh, with my... uh, my co-host and friend, Tom Doran. Tom? We're ensconced. We're ensconced, uh, firmly ensconced we here are. in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. It's rocking today. Tom, I want, to ta- I want to take this opportunity. You know, Uh-oh, I never get to go. say this, just how much I appreciate you being here. You know, this would not be the Catholic Cafe without you here. Wow, thank you. Every once in a while I have to record a show without Tom, but uh, this yeah. is really, it's, it's, it's always a good and blessed day when I see Tom right. sitting to my left. Thank in the you. Catholic Cafe. Thank you. It's good to see you, too. Do you want to finish that dozen donuts there? Hey, man. I'm, I'm polish them up. They're good, aren't they? Just getting warmed up. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of warming up, uh, let's warm up the coffee, and uh, let's pour a cup here for our, our guest, uh, who is Father Adam Rust. Uh, Father Adam Rust is a, uh, a priest for the Diocese of Memphis, uh, newly ordained, I guess, a uh, 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 couple of years uh, under his belt or under his collar, I guess you might want to say. Uh, Father Rust, welcome to the uh, Catholic Cafe. Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here and to join you guys. So I'm real appreciative of this opportunity to come and, and chat with you guys and, and, and talk about the Catholic Cafe. Well, we, we will uh, we'll see if you still appreciate that after we're done. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take a vote at the end here. But uh, since you have, I say recently, been ordained, but it's been a couple of years, and time flies when you're having fun, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so you're young. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 29. 29 years old. See, not even 30 years old. Yep. Uh, and I see you're uh, shaving now, which is good. <laughs> uh, and so maybe we should talk about, you know, as a young man being a priest, Let's get a little insight about where you came from. What, you know, what, what was your family life like? Oh, that's good. Um, I have mom and a dad, and have one sister. She's older than me, three years older. Uh, we grew up. I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, uh, until I was twelve. Um, my mom is Catholic. My dad was not Catholic, uh, but we went to Catholic mass every Sunday. Uh, went to Catholic school. You know, so we went to mass as a, as a class. You know, I think on Fridays uh, during the week with, with my at school. As did you have of, a good? Did you have a good formation in education, though? Did you Did you really know much about your faith at the time when you were growing up? I really did. It was a It was a good school called St. Dominic's Catholic School down in Mobile, and they, you know, there were some sisters teaching there. And I, I remember I had Sister Catherine from second grade, and and she was very good with uh, teaching us about, you know, God and who He is and and how He should be part of our life. And uh, I remember my religion classes, you know, very well. Learned a lot of uh, a lot of the sacraments. Learned they taught us how to pray. Especially I remember you know praying the Rosary, uh, as at the school. But then when I was 12, we moved to Memphis. And so coming from Mobile, kind of an older city, Catholic culture, Catholic heritage, founded by the French and the Spanish, and so large Catholic influence. Uh, but north of Mobile in Alabama, there's really not very many Catholics. So my parents thought Memphis would be the same, being kind of up, right. up north to us uh, from Mobile. And so I've they, never viewed Memphis as being up north. <laughs> But yeah. I guess it is. But I Yankees. guess it is. Yeah. Welcome to the north. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't snow in Mobile, I'll say that. And so, you know, we moved up here. My parents only had a week to find a house, and thus they moved out in one of the suburbs, found a church. There wasn't a school to church. They didn't think there would be a Catholic school in Memphis. Uh, we didn't find out until we'd been here for a couple uh, months that there's actually a lot of schools and, and four, or I think four or five Catholic high schools even. Mobile is just one. Right. And so, uh, but I went to public school out in the, out in the suburbs, and it was, it was good. But uh, looking back, I realized that I really lost a lot of um, my Catholic identity. In fact, um, I remember in PRE we had a quiz once to write out the Hail Mary, and I'd forgotten it. It'd been so long since I prayed it, um, and so I kind of went that. We still went to mass as a family, but not having that 
Catholic education, I think, really um, it was detrimental. But I, I was still involved with the church, involving youth group, and so there's still those, those connections, those ties. Um, and so the, it was a good kind of family. We prayed together. We said grace, you know, before every meal. But then it was really my, my junior year in high school. I was on this re- retreat called Search a Retreat here in uh, Memphis. And on this retreat, I was able to kind of share, you know, God's journey with me in my life. And, and I was able to share with my small group. I remember uh, very vividly telling them that I thought about, you know, the priesthood. And, and they made this huge deal about it. And I didn't. And I didn't. And looking back in hindsight, I think it's because I'd been thinking about it for so long. I think I first started thinking about it. When you said they made a deal about it. Was they, they were excited about yeah, it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're like, that is so cool. We've never you know, met at, anyone like that. Usually, though, when you encounter, especially maybe coming from a public school um, setting, if you were to tell somebody right, that you were considering the priesthood, people might think you're a little wacky sometimes. I mean, I'm talking about your peers, you know, the kids. It's not yeah. always the first thing that comes to mind. And I was fortunate that even at the public school, most of my peers who I hung out with, I knew from church. And so a lot of the, the people I hung out with were, were Catholic. But also there, we did have a lot of Baptists. But they were um, you know, very faithful Christians and, and very supportive of anyone you know, living a Christian life. So I remember we had lots of great discussions about uh, what they believed, what we believed, and uh, you know, and the, and the truth about, about Christ. And so, But I didn't really share with them so much. It was most of my Catholic friends who, who knew this because I knew that they'd understand. And they did. They were real supportive. Uh, they knew that I was meeting with the vocation director and going uh, to different vocation uh, meetings. But Now, how old were you at this time when you were doing so that? So I must have been 16 years old. So already at 16, you were already doing the meeting stuff. You were thinking about this in a serious way. 16, 17, yeah. Were you a real serious 16-year-old? I mean, you uh, know, how many 16-year-olds, Tom, do you know? I don't know of many. <laughs> that are, that are that, that's great. But that's you awesome. said you'd been thinking about it for a while. So at some point it dawned on you. I think in fourth grade, looking back, I remember asking Father John Lyons, a priest in Mobile, I remember asking him, how do you know if you should be a priest? And he said to me, you get the call. So I always imagined, as a little fourth grader, that I'd get a phone call. Yeah, you'd be sitting by the phone, (laughs) waiting for it to ring. And God would call. Father, it's not ringing. It never rings. Exactly. And that's what I imagine, kind of like a a Samuel story, if you will, you know, where I have to go and they say, well, next time he calls, say, you know, yes, Lord, I'm listening. I, I kind of always expected that. Um, it didn't really happen that way, but uh, he did. He did let me know uh, very explicitly that that this is what the vocation he wanted me to live, um, and it developed through this retreat program. So after I made the program, after I went on the retreat, I came back and I worked on the crew and the, and the kind of background. And I was a table leader, uh, helping lead the retreat uh, my senior year. And again, just through this this great and this is search you're talking about. It's search, this, yeah. This yeah, it's a great retreat. It's still going on, and many many dioceses have have these search retreats, uh, and they're great opportunities because my kids, a couple of my kids, have been through uh, search. Yep. And it's been a valuable, valuable uh, moment there, just just for helping them discern God's call in their life, whatever it might be. Yeah, they're incredible. Um, but and I think this program gave me uh, that foundation. Again, I was in public high school. Um, was going to mass on Sundays as part of youth group, and I was I was an usher at mass, so I was involved in the liturgy. But this retreat gave me something outside of that. I think it's real important for people uh, going to mass, of course, on Sundays is very important. But for them to feel that connectivity, that that part of a family, part of a parish family, it's so important to do something outside of that. And for me, it was the search program in the youth group that gave me that Catholic experience that helped me when I got to college. Um, I went down to Mississippi State. Uh, and I studied there. I was studying English education, and I was kind of just living the college life. I was 
joined a fraternity, did all the stuff people do in college, wasn't really paying attention to my faith life. I wonder how many vocations have evaporated in college because that's <laughs> that you know that's a sadness sometimes because and it speaks to our our most of our college systems and uh, but at the same time I understand that if a, a vocation or a calling survives through that college uh, time it also might have been a real genuine calling right. too absolutely and again I was fortunate at Mississippi State they had this excellent Catholic Student Association uh, this great a woman named Fran Lavelle who uh, it just was like a, a mother hen in the nicest way possible. She would come in. She knew your name before you got there. She talked to you. She connected with you. Um, if you weren't showing up every Sunday to Mass, she would, uh, next time she saw you, kind of lightly address it, just let you know that you were missed. And, and it was great to have that and to have that uh, to fall back on when um, my junior year, I remember I was uh, had about a couple hours between classes, and I was sitting in the computer lab, and Normally, I would just go in there, and I would just jump on Google, and I would just Google random things to waste time because I didn't want to go back home, and I didn't, you know, I had a couple, t- you know, some hours to waste. And it just, it popped in my head, how do you become a priest? The same question I had when I was in fourth grade came back to me, like, how do you know? How do you become a priest? And so I got on Google, I typed the question in, and it sent me this website that was kind of a question answer, this priest, I'm not sure where it's from, I think somewhere in the Midwest. And it was a question answer, and, and this one guy wrote in. He says, I think I might be called the priesthood, but everyone tells me I should live a regular life first. And if I'm called, then I'll know and I can enter. Well, the priest wrote him back, and he said, you know what? You can do that, but you can do it the other way too. You can go to seminary, and if you're not called, you'll know. And you can leave, and you can do whatever God's calling you to do, but you'll have that peace of mind. And that just spoke to my heart. I said, this is me. That was my question, and it was answered. And so I remember walking to class. I had one of those old little Nokia cell phones, and I call up my pastor from Memphis, uh, Monsignor Curie, and I asked him, I said, what do I need to do? You know, I'm ready to, to, to enter. And he gave me the, the greatest words that I that I needed to hear at the time. He said, oh, thank God we've been praying for you. Wow. <laughs> and so that just gave me, it was another confirmation. It was That's chills. That'll put chills exactly. up your spine. It was incredible. And so... I, I couldn't sit still that during that class. There's a psychology class. I remember it vividly, just knowing that I was about to, I was about to put out into the deep, and it was exciting. Yeah, I would imagine that it would is. be exciting to, and, and and that's a moment I think when suddenly you know God gives us these opportunities in life where we get a little bit of affirmation, right? Where we wonder a lot of times what God, what are you thinking here, or what am I supposed to do? But then every once in a while we'll get that affirmation. Somebody or something will happen, right? Or someone will speak to us. And we'll know then, it's like, yeah, see, this is the right thing. Yep. I am following that path. So all this time you've been thinking about the priesthood, and now really it's starting to gel uh, for you. Yeah, and I, again, I was very fortunate. The Catholic Church, uh, St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Starkville, Mississippi, the pastor there at the time was a, a priest named Father Jeffrey Waldrop, and he had a group of guys that were meeting about once a month who were all discerning. And so I met with him. He was my you know current pastor at the time, and I told him, that this is what I was thinking about, this is what I felt you know, God drawing me to, and he invited me to this discernment group, and eventually we started meeting twice a month and just coming together, there's about five of us, and we would just talk about uh, priestly things, talk about how to discern and, and what to discern and with regards to am I called to a diocesan life or to a religious life, to a community, Benedictines or Dominicans or Norbertines or, or whatnot, and just to kind of pray together. He taught us how to pray the, the Liturgy of the Hours, which, of course, the, the priests and the deacons pray every day along with all the brothers and sisters throughout the world. And so he really introduced us into this kind of priestly way of life, a way of thinking. 
Well, let's talk more about this, uh, this sort of this discernment stage in your life and, 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 and then also the seminary um, uh, in just a moment when we come back. But before we do that, I do want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website. It's www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love for you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. On June 19, 2009, on the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, Pope Benedict XVI declared a year for priests. He encouraged all of the faithful to pray for an interior renewal and deeper commitment to the vocation of priesthood. In a special letter to priests of the world, he exhorted them to strive to be one with the Lord in their thoughts and their wills, their sentiments and their style of life. In a special way, he encouraged priests to emulate St. John Marie Vianney, the curé of ours, the patron saint of parish priests. Pope Benedict called us to recognize the great gift that priests are to the faithful of the church. He quoted St. John Vianney as saying, a good shepherd A pastor after God's heart is the greatest treasure which the good Lord can grant to a parish and one of the most precious gifts of divine mercy. The Holy Father reminds us that in today's world, as in the troubled times of the Curé of ours, the lives and activity of priests need to be distinguished by a determined witness to the gospel. He challenged today's priest to be pervaded by the word of God. Pope Benedict wrote, Just as Jesus called the twelve to be with him and only later sent them forth to preach, so too in our days, priests are called to assimilate that new style of life, which was inaugurated by the Lord Jesus and taken up by the apostles. In the words of Pope Benedict, the ministry of the priesthood is a complete commitment to this new style of life. As a curé of ours lived a life completely consumed by the gospel's call, so too are priests of all generations supposed to call the faithful deeper into the heart of the Redeemer. At the same time, priests are to bring themselves to a deeper conversion of heart and a clear oneness with the sacrifice of the cross. Benedict XVI entrusted all priests to the loving care of the Blessed Mother during the Year of the Priests. He wrote, I asked her to awaken in the heart of every priest a generous and renewed commitment to the ideal of complete self-oblation to Christ in the Church, which inspired the thoughts and actions of the saintly curé of ours. Let us all pray for those priests close to home in our parishes and those serving in far-off places. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in Church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe and still joined here with uh, Tom Dorn, co-host. Yeah, and we also have Father Adam Rust. Uh, Now, Father Rust, you were right in the middle of talking about this discernment process for you. 
uh, heard that people were praying for you, and you start getting involved in a sort of a pre-priest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, those who are discerning vocations. Now, when you were doing that, would you say that your Catholic life was uh, really a, a good Catholic? I mean, were, were you doing the right things? or I think it was I was making the transition from being a, kind of a nominal Catholic. Um, again, growing up, Catholic family went to Mass every Sunday. Um, I wasn't forced to go. Mom didn't drag me. I, I looked forward to it. I had friends there. I, like I said, I ushered at Mass. But when I went to college, um, you had that freedom. No one knows what you're doing. No one really cares. So it no longer I – no, I no longer had someone uh, going with me, encouraging right. me to go. And so I kind of just lost track of it for a while. I, it, it, I didn't own it, if you will. It wasn't, it wasn't mine at the time. But – through my through my college years and through the again the great example and and witness of uh, Fran Lavelle, it, I kind of started getting back more and and then coming back to Mass more and, and being more involved with the Catholic Student Association down there in Starkville, I was able to reconnect with God who who hadn't changed who hadn't left right but I was able to get be drawn closer to Him um, and in, in that experience it gave me um, the great resources I need to. To discern his call, to discern his will. So you're in this study group. Obviously, it furthered your uh, your understanding and your discernment. Yeah, it was incredible. As I mentioned, they were meeting once a month. When I joined, I told them, I said, this isn't enough. We need to meet more than this. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I kind of forced the, the Padre's hand, and we started meeting uh, every other week. We'd come together, we would talk about things. And for me, this was the greatest uh, thing I could have because it kept it in the forefront. It right. kept it on the front burner. There's no longer was I putting this this call of God on the back burner, saying, "Okay, in the future." It was now I needed it to think about it every day. And through the guys I met there, there's one in particular who he and I would talk a lot about this. Uh, he eventually went to the seminary, discerned that it wasn't his uh, vocation, and he's he's since left and he's gotten married, has a beautiful wife, beautiful family. But he, through this discernment, he and I, he was very smart. He knew the faith very well. He was a convert, um, and so he really knew his faith well. And he and I would challenge each other, and we'd pray together a lot, the breviary, the rosary. We were at daily mass together. And having this this kind of companion to walk this discernment path with um, was what I think was it was a grace of God, yeah. grace God gave me to make sure that I followed through, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. certainly it does. I mean, you know, again, we want to do things on our own. But exactly. then really Jesus calls us to live in community, to live with each other. Right. And so to use those other people as gifts from God, that's a good thing. Yeah. And so we should always uh, uh, spend time with others, and, and sometimes we can have a better and deeper relationship with God by having a better and deeper relationship with others. Oh, absolutely. So where did it go from here, though? Did you just suddenly the next day you were ordained? No. <laughs> no. If there's more I, I, to it. <laughs> at the time, I might have wished. But, uh, you know, so I started contacting the Diocese of Memphis. The vocation director uh, was new that year. Uh, they just had a transition. His name is Father Keith Stewart, and he really has done wonders in this diocese regards to vocations. Memphis has been written up uh, in different periodicals, Catholic periodicals, about the number of vocations we have for the number of Catholics we have. We now, I had heard th- a rumor that they promise a free Cadillac to every priest. Is that is that? And, and you know what? Out of, <laughs> out of great humility, he turned it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have groups like that, by the way, in Memphis? Or is that a pretty prevalent thing in, in all the dioceses out there? Or is that just something that Starkville? Well, that's just something that, that Father Waldrop set up because he I had, like a, he had a couple guys that got that that all individually spoke to him yeah and he wow. saw the need and he it's great opportunity it. a great priest yeah. great priest and he's a kind of lawyer now too so we know he's a holy priest yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to mention that i also have a kind of law degree yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. you have a halo your halo is just <laughs> tilted a little bit there father let's straighten it back up and um 
so I started dialoguing with Father Keith Stewart here in Memphis, the vocation director, and he came down two and a half, three hour drive from Memphis once a month to meet me, take me out to dinner, and just talk about it. Talk about the application process. Talk about different questions I had to give this. this wow! Yeah, exactly. It was incredible. Golly. Give this kind of abstract theoretical understanding of discerning a vocation to a concrete discerning a vocation to the Diocese of Memphis. Because when we're called, we're called by God to a religious community or to a particular church. And for me, that particular church was the church in West Tennessee, the Diocese of Memphis. And that's a big decision for a lot of people that might be discerning or, or just considering the possibility of a call to orders. Because you have to decide now where are you going to be and what are you going to do what exactly do you, and that's a big decision to make because that lasts forever it, it does it is and for me the big question was do i go to my first home in mobile or do i go to my second home in memphis um the decision that i made and, and i really felt drawn by god to memphis was because i was where uh i was more of an adult catholic i was a, a young adult catholic i was in high school i knew the priests on a on a different level than i right. do when i was in elementary school um, and so this, it was a, it was a spiritual home. So it really didn't feel like you were going to a foreign land. Exactly. And of Absolutely. course, it had nothing to do with Elvis either, which is that's fine. Well, I don't want to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> we can edit this part out of the show if we need to. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry to, to detract here. So now, at this point, though, you've 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 made the contact with the diocese, which uh, is a good thing to do because you always, if you have that discernment, if you have that that tug, that pull towards you think to some vocation and uh, to the priesthood. Or or, or to the diaconate, then you would want to you'd want to contact a diocese or someone there because there are people there. There are resources they can help you with. They can have those discussions. Absolutely. And again, Father Keith's title was vocation director. His job is to direct your vocation, whether it's to Memphis or to somewhere else. And he was great with that. He was never uh, pulling me one way or the other. He was helping me to learn God's will for my life. Um, and then he helped me with the application process. Eventually. I, for the grace of God, in, in May of that year, I was accepted as a seminarian for the Diocese of Memphis, and then they sent me uh, for two years to finish up my degree. And at this point, I changed my major to philosophy in uh, accordance with the U.S. Bishops Conference that say you need philosophy before you study theology. And I went to a great university in Ohio called Franciscan University of Steubenville. And up there, I was back in Catholic school. I hadn't been in Catholic school for right. uh, nine years. And so I was back in the Catholic school, back studying with Catholics. And the, the students at Franciscan were incredible. They, 70% of the student body went to daily mass. Um, it, was, it was a co-ed campus. So you had young men and young women who were all discerning the will of God in their life, who were all growing into the men and women God was calling them to be. And it was a great witness for me to be around that because most of them were not felt called or, or discerning the priesthood. They're discerning married life. They're discerning, am I called to be a teacher or a youth minister? Am mm-hmm. I called to serve the church and through the media or through whatever? And so to be with them and all of us discerning together, supporting each other in the faith, was an incredible experience that has informed my life and my vocation uh, very much. We should stop and talk a little bit about the importance of when you're discerning something, Putting yourself in that in the context of that which you're discerning. In other words, having that that Catholic environment to be in was very uh, good thing for you. It, it was very supportive, right? And so, if you're discerning, what better place than a than a place that uh, 
that encourages frequent reception of the sacraments, that a, a place that has the opportunities for confession uh, available all, all the time, a, a, every a, day. Eucharistic adoration and, and things that are – and you're with your peers, uh, other young adults, men and women who are, are fired up about their faith, uh, and that's a great place to discern. It was right? incredible. So you need to – this is why you know your time at Mass – Right, mm-hmm. uh, spending time being Catholic is the best way to discern whether you're being called to a Catholic vocation. Absolutely, and ultimately, you can't discern what you don't know. Right. So, it's good to for priests and for religious sisters and religious brothers to make themselves available to young people to so they can know them and they can experience them in their lives. Everyone knows married people, so the vocation of marriage is well known. The vocation to religious life and the priesthood needs to be out there and accessible to people so they can discern it. And so, again, Franciscan had lots of priests, lots of brothers on the campus, and so there are a lot of uh, people for me to talk to about a particular vocation to the priesthood. Now, where did the seminary happen? Well, this would be considered seminary. Oh, that was seminary. Yeah, it would be called considered my pre-theology years. So I was there for two years, and I graduated. And then I spent the diocese through the the bishop, uh, asked me to study at the Pontifical North American College in Rome, and so I went there to study my theology. Beautiful. Well, let's fast forward. Uh, by the grace of God, you were ordained Absolutely, in as a priest to the Diocese of Memphis. Exactly. Uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. We're, we're very excited to have you uh, in the Diocese of Memphis. I and, love uh, being here. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. And so I know there are probably people who are listening and think, well, some of that story sounds familiar because it's kind of happening to me or I'm I maybe not exactly the same way. But when you're talking to someone, a young person who's kind of discerning, what kind of advice, what kind of things do you tell them uh, to, look, to look for and to maybe to pray about? That's a great question. I always tell them, if you're discerning this, if you feel that call, it's best to, to go and experience it first. Because if you experience it, I knew so many good guys who entered the seminary and discerned it wasn't them and left and are living fulfilled lives with peace because they know they, they gave it a good faith effort. And it's easier that way. To do it the other way, to try to live a real life and see is God going to keep calling me through after year after year after year, it, I think is, is, is a little... Uh, dangerous to, to do your vocation. I think I also tell them to pray, to spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, especially if you can find an adoration chapel in their diocese or in their parish, uh, to spend time in prayer, because only if you know God can you know His will for you. Uh, and of course, I always tell people to read Scripture, start with the Gospels, read the Pauline letters. St. Augustine's, I believe, said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of God. And so if you know Scripture, you know God. If you know God, then you can know the will of God which ultimately is for our happiness, for our holiness. And so whatever vocation that is, the, his will for us is that we be holy and that we be happy. And ultimate happiness is found in union with him in beatitude, perfect beatitude in heaven. So wise, wise, wise words. Good stuff. That's wonderful, wonderful. And thank you so much, uh, Father Adam Rust, for spending some time here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic oh, Cafe. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you back again. I'd Refill love your cup of coffee there and, uh, and and invite you back. All right, thank you. Very good. Will you lead us uh, in a closing prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we give you all thanks and praise for the many blessings you've given to us. We ask you to continue to pour forth your blessing upon the church. Continue to call young men and women to priesthood and religious lives. So they may serve you and their church. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.